Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Welcome to Southside. This is Dalton Rosiske. If you don't know me, I'm the student pastor at Redstone. I'm excited today to bring you God's word. But first, before we jump into that, I, I want to tell you this story. I, was, I, I have a big family. I got four kids. And I was thinking about a moment the other day where my kids and I and my wife, we were all at this small little restaurant where we used to live in this small town in Indiana, Rising Sun. And while we were there, it was hilarious because it was just this little family cafe, little diner. You've all been to those kind of places. In the corner, though, was something that kind of caught my kid's eye. And they were enamored by it. They were like, Dad, we want whatever's in that. And to me, it was kind of funny because I hadn't seen one of these things in a while. What it was, was a gumball machine. And that gumball machine was hilarious because my kids were so excited. They just weren't even thinking about their meal. We're like, hey, what do you want? And they were like, dad, all we want is a gumball. So we went over. I bought a couple for them. I bought one for myself. And it was hilarious. They, they put it in their mouth and the gum juices were going everywhere. And I just laughed. I just remembered as a kid how much I loved gumballs. So I, I bought one for myself. I popped it in my mouth. And the first thing I thought was, Wow. This is hard. (laughs) My teeth are going to literally fall out. I guess that's part of growing up. But as I looked at them, they were just so excited. And all I kept thinking was as I was chewing it after two minutes when the flavor went away, man, I just need something with more sustenance. Uh, Maybe it's my maturity. Maybe it's getting old. But I need something with more flavor. I couldn't wait for that steak that I had ordered to come. For us, I think it's important to look at what scripture says, because this moment for me made me think of a moment in Corinthians. Paul writes this, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you were still not ready. Because you are still worldly, for since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? Here, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, a church that he actually helped start. Three years later, he sends this letter to them because he noticed something. In the DR translation, the Dalton Rosiska translation, I read this scripture as this. My friends, when we started the church, you were eating gumballs. That was okay. But three years later, you're still eating gumballs. You should be eating something more, something deep with flavor. Move past the candy. You see, my prayer for us today, church, is as we dive into God's word, we would realize there's a time and a place for everything. When it comes to our faith, if you have just started your journey with Jesus, enjoy this season. Embrace the excitement that comes from the spirit moving in your life. Be bold but dive deeper in your faith. Gumballs are not the goal. Gumballs are great in a season. For those of you who are more seasoned in your faith, maybe it's this last year that you made that decision to say yes to Jesus, or maybe it was decades ago. I have a question for you today. Are you still in the gumball stage of life? When all reality, you really should be eating some more exquisite foods. Church, Today, as we start our, our day off with prayer, I want you to think about this. May we chew on God's word. 
May God take us deeper in his understanding with, with his word. Think hard about what God is wanting for us today and reflect deeply about how we may grow deeper in our walk and love for him. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray today that I would get out of the way, that your word would be presented in a way that, Lord, the spirit would move in our lives to challenge us to dive deeper in our faith, that, Lord, you would be first and foremost glorified. May the gospel be ever present in this message today. Lord, may your truth speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. This past month and coming into this month, we've been working through something at our church that we're calling the Discipleship Pathway. I'm excited about this because at this moment here at Southside, we're at a pivotal stage in our history. We're realizing that the deeper we go as Christians and the deeper we go as disciples, it's important because this is how we get to that next level as a church. We realize that this discipleship pathway is a great way to visualize our relationship with God. Not to be dogmatic or narrow-minded of what a disciple of Jesus is, but rather to draw out what the Bible says over and over again when describing what it looks like to follow Jesus. We've been working through these four topics, knowing God, growing deeper, finding community, and making disciples. We didn't map out this pathway, though, as in order to create a checklist of do's and don'ts and things we can mark off. This pathway instead is one we spend our entire life committed to and on. You see, a real follower of Christ is always growing deeper in their relationship with him. In order to be a disciple of Jesus, we believe because the word of God says that you must first know God, that it is you who places your faith in Jesus, that by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, that you can have a relationship with the Father, and that by putting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you could join in with the family of God, becoming his sons and daughters. After, though, knowing God, we believe that the three other things in our discipleship pathway are so pivotal to your spiritual growth. Growing deeper in your relationship with God, finding community in the body of believers, and finally making disciples out there and in here, making it a replicating process. Last month, we focused on the importance of knowing God. This month, though, we're going to be on the next step in our discipleship pathway, growing deeper. We're going to be specifically looking at five characteristics in the Bible consistently used to describe disciples. Disciples are family members, worshipers, stewards, servants, and finally, they're witnesses. To start the day off, I want to ask you a question. Are you ready for this? If you are, high five somebody in the room and say, I am ready. Here we go. Why do you exist? Why do you exist? This is such an important question. Think about it. For some of us, we exist to make our parents wonder why they ever had kids. I know that's some of you. Some of us exist to make sure our Facebook community knows how smart and intelligent we are. That also is some of us in the room. Some of us may think we exist to show everyone around us that Costco is the superior store over Sam's Club. Some of us are really excited about that coming to Athens soon. Okay, maybe not some of us, maybe that's just me. 
But really, all jokes aside, the question stands, why do you exist? Today, I want to go to the author of all truth. I want us to let the word of God speak into this topic. I want you to see this. The reason we exist is to worship. Say this with me. I was made to worship. Say it again. I was made to worship. In Colossians 1.16, it says this, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Do you ever wonder why the world actually, let's change that, the church is in the shape it's in today? You hear prayers lifted up, wanting revival out there, people to come to Jesus, lives to be changed. But you see the world and you see the church spiraling down a rabid, rabid hole of sin. Why is that? We go farther from God's design straight into a world praising brokenness. Before you say amen about this, though, I want to challenge us. This isn't a political statement. No, my friends, this is spiritual. We have far too many people saying that only if this person was in charge or only if our schools were praying more or, or this or this, all of those, can I challenge you, are byproducts of a greater issue. We aren't leading our families the way God wants us to. We aren't diving into God's word the way he calls us to. We aren't worshiping. You see, we won't see revival out there unless we first see it in here. Great friend of mine stated that once before. A.W. Tozer also says this, a great famous pastor of old, Christians don't tell lies. They just go to church to sing about them. You see, when Tozer said this, he was getting at this. We've perverted faith and we've watered it down so much that the things we are created to do, worship, through merely just songs and lyrics, we don't live them out. We don't appreciate them anymore outside the building that we sing in. Today's message is not meant to be a beat em up kind of sermon. I didn't ask you to bring your boxing gloves today. But I do want to be honest with you. Having been in ministry for 13 years since I was 19, I've come to realize that field doctors might have the right moves. Field doctors make hard decisions to save lives. I think this is what the church should be doing in the kingdom of God. Gun wounds from sin aren't healed by spiritual band-aids over them. We need to take our spiritual development as a disciple seriously. God's got this amazing plan for your life. It's about time we elaborate on it. To help you today, let's start off by defining what worship is so that we know how we can correct this. It's songs we sing on Sunday. If you want to know how to worship better, sing better. You can leave now. That's it. That's the end of the sermon. No, that's, that's not what worship is. Worship is so much more than that. It's this. Worship is a proper understanding of our position in creation and God's. Worship is that. It's not just merely singing or emotional responses on Sunday. It can be those things and those practices and responses are outward showing of what God is doing in our life and in our hearts. But worship is understanding who God is and placing yourself before him in all his glory, humbly realizing that he is Lord 
and he is king over everything. You see, the Old Testament uses this word, shaha, in the Hebrew when it comes to worship. Shaha means this, to bow down, prostrate in front of the king in homage. We are called to worship God daily in every moment, to shaha, to allow God to be in the place he's supposed to be in. So let's stop right there. Some of you are like, okay, Pastor Dalton, I get that. Does that mean that I need to just lay down all day? Like that's going to be awkward in the office. You're just going to be laying there and your coworker is going to come up to you, uh, Dalton, what's going on? Oh, I'm just worshiping God. They're going to look at you kind of funny and they're going to be like, okay, well, we have a board meeting in 10 minutes. Can you just like roll your way over there? No, that's not what worship is. Worship isn't merely just a physical posture. It's a state of the heart. It's a state of the heart. Ephesians 2, 10 through 10 says this, for we are his workmanship created for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. For those of you who are disciples of the Lord, think back to your conversion, that moment you said yes to Jesus. Everything he did on the cross and the tomb on your behalf still stands today. God changed your heart at that moment. It's as if a switch was toggled on. In that moment, you went from living all about yourself, all about me, all about your desires, your needs, your wants, your feelings, to living with a purpose. You may not have known the exact word at that moment, but God had already written on all of your DNA. You were made to worship, to bow your heart to his desires, to lift up his name through thoughts and through actions. It's more just, it's more than just physical bowing of our body. I think Paul describes it great, and this is our main text today. In Romans 12, 2, it says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, as holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. To give some context to this, Paul said, you have to be a living sacrifice. If you want to be a true worshiper, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, you have to be a living sacrifice. So what that means is grab the lighter and go to town. (laughs) Not at all. What that means is this, to give some context, Paul was writing to a culture. He was writing to the Corinthians who were a suburb of Rome. And in this moment, he would have known the people he was talking to, the culture he was speaking to, sacrifices were a normal thing. Both Jews and Gentiles both sacrificed to their deities. In this moment, what a sacrifice would have been was to pile up a giant stack of wood, whether on an altar, on the ground, on some sort of stage, whatever it may be. They would have piled a giant stack of wood. They would have taken the sacrifice, usually an animal of some sort, a pig, a goat, a sheep, a cow, and it was killed and prayers were lifted up to the aforementioned one true God or false gods. All of this to watch the smoke rise as a praise to the deity being worshiped. So when Paul writes that his goal was for us to be true worshipers as living sacrifices, think about what I just described. Sacrifices were intense. 
they were deeply spiritual. They were affected the whole body of whatever was being burned. They were all in. It was kind of hard for a sacrifice to be partially in. The fire would consume everything. So Paul lets the Romans know that if you want to worship God, you must let your whole life be consumed by him. You filter your life, your filter of your life must be God and lifting him on high. So think about this. When you wake up, are you thinking upon the things that God wants you to be thinking about? When you make many decisions throughout your day, are you asking yourself, what would God want me to do in this moment? When your kids come up to you at 1030 at night and tell you, hey, dad, I have a project due soon. And they say, I really need some paper and some pens. And you're like, this is 1030. We can talk about this some other time. And then they tell you it's due tomorrow and they've known about it for a month. Are you grateful for what God has given you? As a parent, oh, I might not be in that moment, but at the same time, a true worshiper is grateful for the things, even the hard things that God has given us. You see, Paul is challenging us as Romans, as he is challenging the Romans to grow deep. He wants us to grow deep, and this is where worship takes us. When we become a living sacrifice, we learn what it means to grow deep. A couple years ago, if you would have asked me to tell you about my wife, I would have told you a couple different things. She's a servant. She's caring. She's honest, even if at times brutally honest, which if you know me is greatly needed. She cares deeply for the church in the next generation. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without her. She's a great mom. She's amazing at it. She cares so much for our kids. But if I'm being honest, one fact that I would tell you about my wife, and maybe she'll kill me for saying this, but it's in my notes already. She had a black thumb. You see, I used to joke about anything outside of our kids that she touched, she would kill. I said, I'd see a new plant around our house and within days, poof, it would be gone. I would joke that she had some magical powers and boom, Avada Kedavra and the plant would be dead. Every single time a new plant popped up, it was gone within days. The problem was my wife longed to be a plant lady. It was her deepest millennial desire. She would see the ladies on Instagram with their houses full of plants and desire to be that. I remember seeing her study and look at, at side after side how to take care of plants. And everything she did, the plants still died. I remember we had this fiddle fig plant once. It was beautiful. She had bought it. It was pretty tall at this point, pretty mature in its life. And it died within days of buying it. And it was so funny because in this story, she took the fiddle fig plant and we were like, okay, well, it's dead. There's nothing more we can do. And she took it outside. And within days, it was hilarious. The plant came back to life. We assumed it just needed to be away from her, the death bringer. At time, as time went on, her desire to become a plant person continued. And over time, plants started living longer and longer. And I can confidently say this, to her benefit, today she has a green thumb. And it's getting greener every day. You see, what my wife realized was this, that to take care of plants, it took time. It took effort. It took focus from her. The plants needed to grow deep to be healthy. They couldn't grow shallow 
with little care. She had to be consumed to see their growth. This is where the truth comes in today. A disciple seeking to grow deep must be first consumed in worship for God. Are you willing to be consumed with worship in order to grow deeper in your faith? We now understand that worship is a proper understanding of God's place and ours. But the question is, how do we worship? How do we apply this in our lives? Well, first, I think it's this. To worship, we must understand who God is and who we are. It's one thing to hear a pastor tell you on screen or on a stage, God is all-powerful. He's almighty, he's all-knowing, he's ever-present, he's ever-caring, he's ever-lasting, and so many other characteristics. But if you don't take that to heart, you can't worship. You see, you must allow biblical truth to pierce your heart, to take that 18 inches from your brain to your heart, to plant seed so it may grow. We are part of God's creation. He is the creator. He deserves all praise for that. That is why we worship. You see, in Ephesians, where we started earlier, it says this, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, for you, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you were saved by grace. Also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's work, God's gift, not from our works so that no one can boast. We as creation are so undeserving of everything we have, especially salvation. Yet God in his great mercy has given us a gift. Not that we may boast, but that instead he may be glorified. Only the one, only the one with power can truly save that is God. Only the one with power can truly save that is God. That's why he deserves our worship. Next, worshiping God can take on many forms, but it starts with our heart. As previously mentioned, worship isn't just a thing we do. It's instead a consuming desire that we must have. Is God everything else in your life? Is he above everything else in your life? If you were to lose it all in your life, would you still follow God? Today is your heart set on lifting God up. Paul warns us in Romans, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good pleasing, and perfect will of God. A.W. Tozer also says this about worship. Worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than the Christ in us. You see, the temptation to blend in with the world around us is great, but a blazing sacrifice isn't all-consuming when we try to look at the world iced up and hardened by sin. Be conformed to the image of God. Be who God created you to be not what you feel you should be. What his word tells us is true. We were created out of love. We were created 
with a godly purpose. If I ever come to you, come with you today to work, or if I were to go hang out with you at school, if I were to walk around and meet your friends, your family, your neighbors, what would they say is most important to you? What would they say you hold most dear? God make the list. God make the list in your life. You see, the question, would God make the list, hit me really hard this day, this week. I was in Panera writing this sermon and I was sitting there. And I'm not, if you know me, a very tearful kind of guy. I'm not an emotional guy. I would say that I am, but my wife would laugh. But this question hit me hard because I was thinking back to the days of early social media when you had a top 10 list for MySpace. And as I was thinking about that and this question, would God make the list? Man, my, my prayer and my desire is that my friends and my family and my neighbors would say, man, God is very important to Dalton. But in all reality, would my people say that he's in my top three, in my top 10? When real, all reality, my worship, I want him to be number one. Am I okay with the answer they give? Are you okay with the answer that your people give about God's place in your life? Today, church, I desire greatly for you and for me to be consumed as a living sacrifice for God. And I believe we can grow deeper in that desire together as a church as God designed, as a family of believers. But I also believe in his word, we can grow deeper in that on our own. And together, those two working, we could grow deeper being more consumed in worship. The greatest lie of the enemy is that you aren't worthy to worship God. But today, I want you to know the enemy is right. We don't often say that as pastors on a stage. The enemy is right in that moment. You aren't worthy to worship God. But here's where he's wrong. That doesn't matter. When we come to know God personally, through the good news of the gospel, we are made worthy. It's not through our own doing, but it's through the Father, the Son, and the Spirit making us so. So before we get practical, I want to ask you these questions to kind of spiritually check our heart. The first question is this, do I desire to grow deeper in my faith? The second question, am I concerned for the things that God is concerned for? Third, do I find myself in a state of passion, comfortability, disdain, or apathy when I hear his word in his church? These questions are questions that I ask myself at times to check to see if my heart is in worship mode. I hope they help you today. Practically, if we want to lean into our purpose, worshiping the creator, I believe we can look at four elements today. And this is where we're going to end. These four elements are this. Worship is wonderment. As we enter the presence of God, we should be so awestruck by God's majesty and holiness. Do you ever just have a moment in your life where you just have to stand back and say, wow, God, you're amazing. Or maybe you've lost that sense of awe and wonderment for him. I have a great resource for you today. I love this book because I found so much help in my own life when I felt like this was an area of worship that I struggled with. There's a book by Paul David Tripp called Awe. I suggest that you read it. Find it on Amazon. It's awesome. But two, another element of worship that I think is helpful for us to focus on is this. Worship is transformative. In our experience of being in God's presence, we must realize we are a sinner. 
yet that we also must realize and be grateful for and continue to devote ourselves to God's plan to make us more like Jesus in everything we do through the gospel. What Jesus did on the cross was enough for all time. His forgiveness of our sins stands, yet we must not grow complacent in our faith. We must strive to be transformed through the gospel daily. We must wake up every single day and say yes to Jesus. Our worship should never lose sight of what the gospel has done in and is still doing in our life. Thirdly, worship is renewing. Through God's forgiveness, we are renewed, living for purpose and living for the will of God. Our purpose in God's kingdom comes to fruition when we are no longer aimlessly running around this world thinking about me, me, me. We are renewed, meaning we have new life in Jesus. We are his and he wants more for us than we could ever imagine. Trust in his word. Going back to Romans, it says, do not be conformed, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Take off your old self and the Bible tells us to put on our new self, being renewed in Jesus. Fourthly, and the last one, worship is decentering. Through worship, we decenter ourselves from a me-centered mindset to a him-centered focus, focusing on God's will and purpose for our life. In Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father for him. See, there are all kinds of applications of these four elements. No matter those, through song, service, action, deed, or thought, our worship must be consuming. When we enter the presence of God, we must desire to be all in. If we wanna see our spiritual lives deepened, we must long for deeper flavors. We must cultivate a spiritually green thumb. As we close today, I want us to focus on a, a prayer. It's Ephesians chapter three. And in this, it's called a doxology. It's essentially a praise to God. I want us to focus on this and, and take this as a prayer. So if you're able to today, I would love for you to get on your knees and pray with me. I'm gonna have this scripture on the screen. I'm going to pray it and I ask that you pray it as well, that this may be the, the shout of our worship to God. Will you pray with me? In Ephesians chapter three, verse 14, it says this, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and deep and long and high is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measures of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that has at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Hey, I just wanna thank you so much for being online with us today. If today you heard these things about how we were created to worship God, 
I want you to hear this, thinking back to what we said our start of the discipleship pathway is. Starts with knowing God. If you want to know God today, it's as simple as this. You could bow your head with me and you could pray this. You must understand that you yourself are a sinner, that God cared so deeply for you that he wants you to live a life not separated from him, living in brokenness forever. God saw your need and saw that you couldn't reach out to him on your own. He sent his son, Jesus, the perfect human God man to live a life that you couldn't live and die a death that you, that you deserved and he didn't deserve. He did this so that you can have a relationship with him. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our heart, if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart, that we can be sons and daughters of God. So today, will you pray this with me? Father God, I realize today that I am in living in brokenness, that I am living separate from you, that God, today, I wanna be a living sacrifice. I wanna say yes to Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, I thank you so much for the gospel. And I pray today that I would start to follow you. We love you at Southside. We wanna connect with you. Let us know if you made that decision today. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do wanna choose Jesus. I do wanna acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations, we could not be more excited for you. And we wanna help you in that process and answer any questions you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we wanna help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside, I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.